2: Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the Library Science Channel on the New Books Network. My name is Jen Hoyer, and today I'm joined by Keahi Adolfo, Steven Kruger, and Krista McCracken, editors of Trans and Gender Diverse Voices in Libraries, published by Library Juice Press in 2023. In the library profession and in the world as a whole, the experiences of trans and gender diverse people often go unnoticed, hidden, and ignored. Trans and gender diverse voices in libraries is entirely written and edited by trans and gender diverse people involved in the field. Its 57 authors include workers from academic and public libraries, special collections and archives, and more, LIS students, and a few people who have left the profession completely. From physical spaces to policies to interpersonal ignorance and bigotry, the experiences recounted in this book demonstrate that the library profession continues to fail its trans and gender diverse members over and over again. While this book doesn't claim to be the definitive guide to trans and gender diverse experiences in libraries, it instead aims to start the conversation to help trans and gender diverse people in libraries realize that they're not alone and to validate that their experiences are worth sharing. Keahi, Steven, and Krista are editors of uh, Trans and Gender Diverse Voices in Libraries, and I'm thrilled to be chatting with all of them today. Welcome to New Books Network. Uh, so before we dive into talking about the book, I would love if each of you could introduce yourselves.
0: Yeah, I'll go first. So I'm Keahi Adolfo. I use they, them, and he, him pronouns. Uh, I'm a processing archivist at Virginia Commonwealth University Libraries. Um, I got my bachelor's in history and master's in library science from University of Milwaukee. Um, I guess a few things I'm involved with, I'm on the HomoSaurus editorial board, and HomoSaurus is an international LGBTQ, um, linked data vocabulary, and I'm also part of the Association of College and Research Libraries residency interest group leadership team.
1: I'm Stephen Krueger, pronouns A-M, which is basically they, them without the T-H. Um, he, him is also okay. Um, which I say so that, basically, so that I don't have to get upset at all the people who refuse to use neo-pronouns. I'm, let's see, my current title is Affordable Course Content Librarian at the University of Kentucky, which I have to think about because I've been here two weeks. Um, So in the book, I'm listed as the scholarly publishing librarian at Dartmouth College, where I was for the several years we were writing this. Um, let's see, I graduated from the University of Chapel Hill with my MSLS in 2017. Before that, I have an undergrad uh, a BA in English from Warren Wilson College, tiny little liberal arts college in North Carolina. I'm working on uh, an MA in Arctic and Northern Studies from the University of Alaska. Um, I Let's see if, the majority of my professional publishing centers this topic, like transgender inclusion in libraries. Um, in 2019, I put out a solo authored book from Libraries Unlimited that's much more practical than the one we'll be talking about today. That's called Supporting Trans People in Libraries. Um, and yeah, I've been doing a bunch of writing and presenting on this topic, doing workshops and such for a few years now, often in collaboration with Keahi. Um, So, yeah, this book was sort of the, I'm not gonna say the culmination because we're not done, um, but it was the the biggest project we have done the, on this so far.
3: Yeah. And I'm Krista McCracken. I use they, them pronouns. I'm a public historian and archivist. Um, my day job, I work as a researcher and curator in the Shingwauk Residential School Center at Algoma University. So a community-run archive focused on residential schools. I'm in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada. A token Canadian amongst the group here. Um, and I'm also uh, pursuing my PhD right now in library and information management through uh, Manchester Metropolitan University and San Jose State University.
2: Awesome. Thank you all so much. So now turning to this book, um, Your intro's hinted at a little bit of this, but I'm curious to know how Trans and Gender Diverse Voices in Libraries came to be as a project, how the three of you connected, what generated the project, and what your initial vision was for it.
1: Uh, We decided I would answer this one. This is Stephen. So that because I, the real seed for this book um, for me was that when I did my previous one, I really didn't want to be the only voice in it because there's a real issue with people treating trans voices as a monolith and assuming that we all think and have the same experiences. And um, I knew that if I didn't take active steps to counter that, even in this one authored book, there would be assumptions made. And my experiences in the profession are not representative of everyone's. And there are some people who disagree with me about things. And I can't say they're necessarily wrong. Um, So with that book, I solicited a number of other trans librarians I knew and trans library workers and students to, I think I basically asked them to write a couple of paragraphs on like whatever they wanted to. And then because that book is, is, it's a short book, but it's pretty broad. And that it goes through a bunch of different types of library work and different aspects of it. Um, And like there's a chapter on library schools there's a chapter on restrooms so like all sorts of different practical angles and so i took these little sections that people had written up on their experiences and their thoughts about the profession and i plugged them in wherever they made sense in the book um like completely unedited i didn't like there's stuff in there that i don't necessarily think is best practice but someone else does and that's really important to have And I honestly think the sidebars are one of the most powerful parts of that book. Um, I think it would have been much weaker not to have them. And I wanted more of that type of content of just showing the variety of experiences and backgrounds and stuff that people have. And so that was the seed for this book. Like we wanted to make an entire project out of it and make that be the point. Um, And so I honestly don't remember exactly how we got started. I think somehow like we've all published in this and we've all presented on this topic before so none of us were new to writing about this and we all kind of knew each other that way i think i met Kay for the first time at uh the ideal conference when they were presenting about this um not this book specifically but like trans inclusion in libraries um i don't remember how krista and i came across each other but i think it was through just like recognizing that we were some of the frankly unfortunately very few people who are writing about this topic and so we seemed um and also uh the willingness to volunteer to edit a book which is uh way more work than we expected it to be but we will get to that um so that's how we, we started the the whole idea we put out a call for proposals um the call for proposals was literally are you a person in libraries who is not cisgender and write whatever you want um so that has the goal was to have a, a completely trans voices book and that has a couple of audiences that a couple of ones that we explicitly wrote about in the introduction, um, being the one I personally care the most about is other trans and gender diverse library workers and LIS students. Um, a lot of us are the only one or the only one we know of or the only one who is out in our workplace or maybe our program. Um, a lot of us aren't out. Um, I know when I was an LIS student, I realized I wanted to go into academic librarianship. I truly didn't know if there were any trans people in that feel at all. Like I'd certainly never met one. I'd never heard of one. So I remember how weird and stressful it felt to feel like I didn't like I was just coming out when I was in grad school. And it would have made um a big difference to know that there were there was space for me in this. And I actually remember really clearly I went to the ACRL conference that year on a student scholarship and I didn't even meet anyone. I but like someone asked a question at a big event. I think it was the Roxanne gay talk and said they them pronouns and like it was this moment of like i had never seen someone of my identity in my field and this book is um i think one of our main goals with this is making that not the case for so many people obviously a lot of people won't read it or know it exists but those who will is a huge book um it's got a lot of people writing about their experiences and it really gets the point across of like we exist in this profession and so the secondary audience, as far as I am concerned, um, in order of importance, uh, is for cisgender people in library work, whether that's librarians, whether that's I hope some library professors read this book because there's some uh thoughts about library students and how a lot of them have pretty poor experiences and treatment by their professors. Um like we want we want to share our experiences with each other and tell each other that we exist, and we also want assist people to know that all this is happening i think this profession does a really i'm not going to say good job but kind of effective job of convincing people that it's open-minded and inclusive and in our experience and in the experience of this book that's not necessarily true for a huge number of people we're certainly not a terribly trans-inclusive profession right now um and to me, one of the best ways for people to realize the experiences that trans people are having is to read or hear about them in ways that we have had control over sharing. So there's a a big issue with like, if you have realized that trans people exist for the first time and exist in your profession and have experiences you want to learn about, um, I have been the, the trans coworker that people ask really pretty inappropriate questions to. And this book is also intended to be an answer to that, because I think without it, there's not really a, an easy way for people to say, well, please don't ask me that, but here's a way you can find out the things that you're wanting to know with good intentions. Um, so the audience, first of all, is trans people, so we can see ourselves in terror experiences, but then it's, it's also for cis people who will benefit from learning that these experiences exist and that there are so many of us in the field um, Without having to put that labor on whoever the one trans person they happen to know is. Uh, let's see, I had some notes on this. Um, so, like, our authors really share what they want to share on their own terms. And I think that's incredibly important. Um, and my other hope is that there's sort of a, an additional audience because this book isn't peer reviewed, isn't scholarly, doesn't go into like technical stuff about the profession terribly much. I think it's incredibly readable for people who aren't in library work at all. And I cannot think of another book or project like this for any other profession. So like, even if people have nothing to do with library work and don't know the specific examples that people are talking about in terms of the jobs, like this book is over 50 people writing about their experiences in graduate school, in a workplace. And that's super important. Like, there are not very many books out there that have a lot of trans and gender diverse people sharing our experiences, in our own words, on our own terms.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, This book does a lot of things. Um, So I guess shifting to the content of the book, um, as you mentioned, it is a really big book. There are so many authors. It's really impressive. You stated really clearly in the introduction what the book is, what it isn't, Um, and so I'd love if you could talk a little bit more about that for listeners. What kind of material does the book contain? What does it not contain? Um, I was excited as a reader to find kind of like different formats um, of texts for interacting with, so I'd love if you could talk about that. And yeah, I was really blown away by who it contains, like 57 authors plus the three of you editors. So whose voices will readers hear from in this book?
3: Yeah, and I think that's one of the like most amazing things to me about this book is the range of voices that it includes. So it includes folks from a range of library and special collection and archives roles, a number of students, um, folks who are mid-career, late-career, early-career, and then also folks who have decided to leave the field entirely particularly folks who have left the field because of transphobia that they have experienced in the profession. Um, It contains voices from the United States, from Canada and New Zealand. Um, And in terms of format, it covers everything from personal narratives to more formal essays, to almost academic writing, and even some poetry. The thread, you know, kind of connecting all of these forms is that all of the authors are trans or gender diverse, and they all decided how they wanted to express themselves. So some things are quite short, some are lengthier than others, and that's totally okay, because people got to pick how they wanted to um, convey their experiences. Uh, The book itself, as Stephen mentioned, isn't peer-reviewed. Um, but it was reviewed by the three of us as editors and I think when you look at the content it's not a monolith there's very diverse um, opinions some of the content actually contradicts each other in some spaces and that's just really highlighting the fact that trans and gender diverse people come from all parts of life and all of those experiences are valid Um, I'd say The book though, there's definite parts that I think could have been a little stronger. Like there aren't a ton of voices of color in the book. There are some, but that I think also reflects our profession and that it's an overly white profession. Uh, The book doesn't have any cis folk in it. And it's also not providing like professional advice. I'd say the other piece that's not really, or like Trans 101, that content isn't in the book.
0: Um, I did want to add, because I, I remember really early on when we are planning the book, um, we had this conversation of like, what if we don't get very many proposals, which is funny now, like given how many chapters there are, but we were planning for like how to handle that issue. Um, which I think for me came from like when I was working on this book, um, I'd only worked in two libraries professionally at that time. And at both places, I was the first and often like only out trans person. I think a lot of a lot of the authors also had those experiences, but I think like coming from that perspective, in my head, I was like, well, we might only get like, you know, 10 to 15 maybe proposals. Like, how are we going to handle that? Um, even though like I knew at the time that there were tons more people in the field because of the transgender diverse library support network. But um, it was just so funny seeing how many proposals we actually did get in the end, um, given how we were, yeah, concerned at first that we might not get a whole lot.
2: Yeah, that's impressive. I cannot imagine the editorial labor (laughs) that went into this. Um, So I want to also, you know, thinking more about this content, I don't want to ask you to speak on behalf of the contributors, because I know also that you really have a goal here of centering their voices, and I don't want us to shift from that. But um, I would love if you could talk about the patterns that you saw coming through the contributions, like central themes that emerge from these voices, and any themes that um, you didn't expect, or that surprised you, as editors?
0: Um, I'll start. So, none of the themes really surprised me. You know, as a trans person, I kind of expected everything I saw. There was a lot of anger um, and pain due to transphobia in the profession. You know, people being pushed out of their jobs for being trans. A very justifiable fear about being publicly out or outed. Um, people who were outed at their jobs. People who left libraries entirely, like Krista mentioned earlier. Um, people sort of being put in this position of having to prove they had a right to use a particular bathroom. Um, Some authors also talked about their experiences being multi multiply marginalized um, along the lines of, you know, gender, race, and disability. Um, There were some happy chapters, um, and chapters where authors shared good experiences they had in libraries. Um, But I do think one of, like, the overall themes of the book for me is that you know, as Steven mentioned earlier, the library profession generally sees itself as really inclusive and welcoming, but hasn't really actually put in the work to make that true. So often diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts kind of function more as PR than anything tangible that we can actually rely on when we we come to the field. So a lot of authors, I think, mentioned being under the impression that it would be a welcoming profession for them um, because of the way that libraries talk. I mean, libraries are for everyone, queer inclusive, and um, the sort of surprise some authors felt, um, when they found that wasn't the case.
1: And similarly, um, none of those themes surprised me, but that's because I talked to a lot of trans people in the field, and that kind of goes back to the dual audiences and the purpose of the book. For, um, the audience of trans and gender diverse library workers and students, um, most people probably are not going to be terribly surprised by any of these patterns and any of these experiences. But like yeah, he said, like this profession really aggressively presents itself as inclusive. And so I think there may be a lot of CIS readers who are pretty shocked by these experiences. Maybe some trans readers who have like had good experiences themselves, which, um, like, frankly, my experiences in the field have not been bad so far. Um, but there's a lot of specific privilege going into that. but yeah, I think the we were not terribly surprised by all the anger and frustration and the patterns of behaviors um, with the authors and the people they were interacting with. But I am pretty sure that a lot of readers just will have no idea that this is happening because if you don't, if you aren't, or if you don't know trans people well enough that the, we talk to you about our experiences, then um, you've probably just never noticed that any of this is going on.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, and you both noted that there's a lot of anger and frustration that comes through, um, in what contributors shared. And I'm curious about how that impacted you as editors. And then thinking beyond like the happiness or unhappiness of content, it's really obvious that a huge amount of care labor went into guiding all of these contributors through the editorial process. So I'm curious about how in all of that, you set up systems that help you care for yourselves and for each other and for your contributors, and what your editorial teamwork looked like.
1: I can start with the logistical side before getting into the the feelings about it. Um, so once we had accepted all the chapters and we, like, like I said, the call for proposals was really broad. Um, it was, are you a transgender diverse person in the library profession or previously in the library profession or entering it? Um, then write whatever you want. Like, that was literally the CFP. Um, so we had no idea how many things were going to come in. We accepted everything that met those qualifications. Um, and we ended up publishing almost all of those. There were a handful that, for whatever reason, like there's always some that end up not working out for a variety of reasons, but we ended up publishing almost almost all of the ones that we had originally accepted. So we learned pretty very early on that it was going to be a huge amount of labor and it was not going to be feasible for us all to collaborate editing every single chapter so we divided them up basically so every chapter had one of us as the lead editor and so we were the ones who um we have lots of spreadsheets around this project um but we um so we sorted it out uh partly by um by theme i think i took on i think i might have done library schools um One of the others did archives, because I am not an archivist, and we had a fair number of archives collections, so that sort of thing. Like, we sorted it out partly by our own professional specialties and and experiences, um, and also just sort of based on which ones made sense for us, and at some point got down to just basically one, two, three going through, someone had to edit each one. Um, And some of those, like, um, I think Kahi worked primarily with the authors of color because we wanted that nuance in the editorship um, to work most respectfully with the people whose experiences tied more closely to our own. Um, So we sorted things out like that for the logistics at the beginning, but then, um, and for the first draft, we primarily one-on-one interacted with our authors that way. Uh, But whenever anything seemed like we wanted a second pair of eyes on it, or if we wanted um, to get feedback from each other on like, how do I handle this particular thing or, um, what do you think about this word should i give feedback on whether or not we want to use that in this book like um so whenever something seemed like we didn't want to handle it alone, or we at least wanted to make sure we were all on the same page. Uh, at pretty much every stage of the process, we communicated with one another, we had a whole bunch of meetings ongoing, we um, have a Discord chat, so all sorts of stuff. Um, and then as we got closer to publication, we really wanted to make sure that all three of us had read everything, had gone we were all okay with every word that was published. And so in later sessions, like when, once we got the final drafts of the chapters, we all looked at everything, um, We all, like, there were some where we co-edited later versions to make sure that we um, were splitting up the labor, Um, and then we got to things like reviewing the index, and we all looked at that, and so um, lots of shared Google Docs, lots of of collaboration, especially on the later parts of the book, Um, but yeah, it was way more work than any of us expected, and I think any editing project for the first time is like that, but this was, again, probably five times bigger than we expected in terms of just the number of chapters. Um, I think one of the hardest parts of the editing process for me, which,
0: like besides like yeah like the sheer volume, um was something that I didn't really expect, which was hearing authors kind of downplay the harm that they experienced, um and sort of, you know, being grateful for things that seemed like less than the bare minimum of like what you should expect because like, it could have been worse or it has been worse for them before. So there were a couple instances where authors kind of seemed to blame themselves for their own experiences. Um, I remember one author, you know like, was writing their chapter, and they had said, like, this like long list of like all the ways that they came out at work and then they still got dead named and misgendered and they're like oh guess it's my fault because I didn't actually officially come out and I was like this whole paragraph is you listing all of the different ways you came out like what do you mean you didn't come out um so there are a lot of a couple times where we um kind of had to push back on those kinds of things like why are you blaming yourself um for what happened to you and there's a few instances in the book where um authors sort of footnoted like where that happened and how they realized that they were um Taking on blame for something that they they shouldn't have, um, so that was something that I I didn't really expect going into it. Um, you know, it was hard to navigate because it's like you don't want to downplay somebody's feelings of what they experienced, like that's their reality, they lived it. Um, but also, you know, sort of seeing people try to make excuses um, for others just to make themselves feel better, almost, um, was kind of hard. Um, as far as like systems of care, we, we did try, we had a lot of conversations early on about how to prioritize author safety and privacy. Um, we made it very clear that authors could publish under pseudonyms or anonymously if they preferred. Like we, we had a few spaces where we, um, had like zoom meetings with authors and we shut up, we set up a, um, a discord space. So we made all of that always be voluntary. So people, you know, were not being added to anybody, um, if they weren't interested in it being known like you know what their name was or their email or anything so we had a lot of conversations about how to prioritize that and we did have um a couple authors withdraw from the project because you know publishing in this book means that they're publicly out like kind of you know forever if they publish under their name so um we did have to talk a lot about how to how to navigate um safety and privacy issues
3: Um... For me, I think I'm really grateful that we were able to work as a team and like I don't know that any one of us could have done this project solo like I think we would have drowned. Um, There's just such a huge number of chapters perspectives and styles encompassed and we all brought different experiences and um, just expertise to the project Um, and there was definitely like a lot of emotional chapters and emotional labor that went into the book and I think being able to talk to each other really helped. Um, One of the little like easter eggs that I like about the book is our acknowledgments all kind of talk about the spaces of care and what got us through the editing process and so like for me was a a store called Shabby Motley that's like a queer friendly um, cafe and textile crafting store um, and baked goods and crafts I I think definitely helped the project
2: yeah totally I appreciated reading that Um, and Keahi, I really like um, that you talked about um these having these conversations with authors about how they downplay some of their experiences because i i saw that like i i noticed those footnotes and it was this kind of like authors breaking the fourth wall sort of of admitting like hey i was going to do this thing and then realize that it was part of these patterns that i had that i didn't even see until i started writing and that is really neat to like we don't often get to see that evolution um in in authors. It was really cool uh, to have that. So thank you for doing that work. Also, I feel like we we joke a lot about how like library school is just like a lot of group projects. And it seems like you all imagined like the largest, most ambitious group project for yourselves. <laughs> so well done. Um, yeah. Um, I guess moving on a few of the contributors in this book hinted at what they think the book does or what they hope it could do. Um, and we've talked a little bit already about audiences for the book, but I'm curious about else what else you see as concrete or abstract impacts of the book. And I mean, they may not be real yet. They may just be hoped for, but what do you think this book can do for the individuals who contributed to it for readers um and for the profession
0: yeah so i mean i think i know for some of the authors um they thought it was cathartic to share their experiences and you know become sort of part of this you know community of authors like we had that discord space and i think there's this you know sense of camaraderie and for a lot of people who were the only out trans person where they worked it was nice to be part of that community um as far as other um impacts of the book uh literature about trans and diverse people in libraries tends to assume that we're patrons instead of workers. And there's a sort of growing awareness that that isn't always the case, but it's still pretty minimized. Um, Like I said earlier, I think the first two libraries I worked at, um, I was the first out trans person to work there. Um, I know a lot of other authors shared their experiences in the book, um, shared similar experiences in the book. Um, And I suspect that this makes some libraries feel as though the work isn't urgent. Um, because they have this, you know, incorrect idea that nobody or perhaps, you know, one person has been negatively affected by their practices and policies so far. So I I do hope that the sheer number of authors um, and the many chapters describing experiences, you know, being stealth at work or waiting to see if it's safe to come out, um, you know, all the while being harmed by various systems and practices shows that, you know, this work needs to start now and not wait for this explicit need to be stated by someone who's personally affected. You know, people are, are, are already being harmed um, by systems and practices in libraries, whether or not they've been told about it. So I, I do hope that um, just yet the number of chapters makes people be like, oh, okay, like this is actually um, something we need to take seriously, and not you know just like we might have a few people in the future, you know, who apply for our jobs, but it's not a concern now because you know there's the idea that it's just young people who are transgender diverse. So maybe like library school students now are that, but like you know we don't have to do anything yet because they aren't you know entering the field. So I do hope that um, people read
1: the book and realize that that's not the case. As far as um, another thing it can accomplish, like we're a profession that for, especially if you're in academic libraries, but also in a lot of other cases, it's like incredibly professionally valuable to have published a book chapter. Um, Like Library Juice Press is in our field, a well-known press. It is... um, So it is, like, very tangibly something that, like, if you're in a tenure-track position or even a non-tenure-track position, having a book chapter on your TV can mean whether you get promoted or whether you get to keep your job. Um, We also, like, I remember at least one author specifically mentioning they had, like, a personal goal of publishing with this press someday. So, like, personally and professionally, it felt really good to be able to give so many people this goal achievement or help advancing, especially in a career where uh, so many of us, um, like, for anyone who reads the book, there are a lot of authors who make it clear that being out or even not being out, like, that has caused their their careers to suffer because how they've ended up being treated by trans antagonistic workplaces or bosses or coworkers. workers um, And the other thing I want to say with that is we... Encourage people to be however anonymous they want it to be. Um, so there are a number of authors who are anonymous. Uh, there are some who use pen names, there are some who just the chapter says anonymous. Um, I didn't run the numbers, but I think the maybe the majority of authors who chose to be anonymous are library students or were at the time when they wrote, um, which I think is really indicative of how when you're early career, when you know how precarious your chance of even entering the profession is, because we all know how difficult it is to get that first job out of library school, um, it is really easy to make yourself not able to be, become a librarian, even if you're trained and, and credentialed to do it. Um, and so... For a lot of people, like having that chapter, having that publication would make all the difference, but you have to weigh that against, do I know my profession and my area well enough to be able to trust that this will do more good than harm? Um, and so for a lot of the library student authors, they made the choice to preserve their safety and confidentiality um, rather than to be able to put this chapter on a resume. Um, and that's a that's horrible. Like that's a decision that people don't have to make. Um, it is a really tangible harm to a bunch of people's professions because of the risk and the privacy and the safety concerns that they have um it also means that like i've been putting up on on there's a um on a website a list of all of the ch- and links to all of the chapters that people have put in their institutional repositories if you published anonymously you can't do that your chapter doesn't get to be open access um that is heartbreaking frankly like there's a bunch of chapters that i think people really really need to see um and like i also want to be super clear that so like we we went we protected anon- anonymity as much as we was humanly possible there are a number of authors who the only people who know their who know who they are are the three of us and the person who handles contracts for library juice Press. We did not share a list of all of the authors with the other authors, all our communications. We kept them blind copied on the author list. So no one saw an email list or names of everyone in the book. So as far as our authors are concerned, that's another lack that if someone was concerned about being outed to anybody, they didn't get to participate in the community in the discord group, or like there. Are, there's real harm that comes from having to preserve that safety. And it's a judgment call that a number of people had to make, which is deeply heartbreaking um and yeah i just wanted to be super clear that like there's a lot of benefits from there's a lot of things we hope this book will accomplish and some of them are not available to the people who are most in need of them and i also want to be super clear that these concerns are extremely valid um spoilers the last section of the book is two chapters and the section is titled leaving libraries and it's people who aren't librarians anymore by the time it's been published and um Uh, Not all of them are for reasons related to their own gender. Um, But one of the chapters is someone who came out to their boss as trans, um, was forced out of that job by the boss, and left librarianship completely. Um, And like, this was someone who was an ALA emerging leader. This was someone who was in library school at the time and was true. So, like, when we talk about the fears that people have entering the profession and what it means to be out, these are like, it can destroy your career.
0: Um, sort of unrelated, and I feel like almost bad feeling that I've said such like a strong ending to the question, but um, I do think some of this also highlights the importance of having everyone involved be trans or gender diverse like I think, you know, if this book would have came out a couple of years ago, like five years ago or something like the editors might not have also been trans or diverse and I'm just, you know, imagining trying to participate in this sort of project and share your experiences of harm and then like, you know, being harmed by the process. um, It's just, it's too easy to imagine that happening. So just the importance of, you know, having people involved who share the same experiences and understand the concerns, it's just very important. And I don't, a lot of authors, you know, commented on how grateful they were for the way that we handled things. And I think it's, you know, sad to have to be grateful for that. um, But, it you know, it is important to do this as like, you know ethically as possible and that part of that is yeah making sure to protect people's safety and privacy like um as far as as far as possible like, there's tons of authors like we don't we didn't know people's legal names like we didn't we didn't ask for any information that we didn't have to have um and i just think that is worth highlighting
2: yeah thank you um and i want to highlight one other thing that i feel like has has come up a little bit, but stands out to me um, is that like, this was also a project that built community. And Steven, as, as you explained, like not everyone could participate equally in that community, but I don't know if any of you are willing to talk more about the community building that happened. Um, And it, it sounds really cool.
3: I think for me, I think the best part about the community building was the spaces of joy that came with it sometimes and the ability to celebrate when we hit book milestones or when an individual had finished a chapter or a draft of their chapter and just having that many trans and gender diverse folks in one virtual zoom room was amazing like it's just something that in my life doesn't happen that often and so getting to experience that in a a professional context was just super cool
1: this seems like a good time to plug uh, something else that I'm hoping the book accomplishes, which is letting more people know. And I am increasingly mixed feelings about um, sharing this broadly, but like there's a group that I co-founded a number of years ago um, when I was in my first semester of my first job out of library school. I was the only person on campus who was openly trans, who was not a student, Um, like not just in the library, like I was, there was no faculty, staff, nothing, um, small school, but not small enough for that to be okay. Um, and so I started what is now called the trans and diverse LIS network, which is a closed group. Cis people are not invited. I have had people uh, r- apparently read the blurb and still not get that this is, um, this is not for cis people to join, but it is a closed online support group, like primarily discord, um, slack email list etc um that is for trans and gender diverse library workers to basically join and, and um like share experiences get support uh, all sorts of things and i'm not going to tell you how many people are in it but like we we know there's a lot of us and this group tells us explicitly that there's a lot of us because there's also a lot of people who don't know that group exists um and we mention it a bunch in the book a number of the chapters talk about it but i want to like if there are people listening to this podcast who are trans or gender diverse and like a community for that um then there's a there is one that we built for and there's some overlap with the book authors but what i noticed with the like even the author discord people we weren't just talking about the book people were talking about various other things because there's like this tangible need because so many of us feel so isolated in our workplace or our school like as soon as a space exists where there's the implicit thing it's partly trust and partly like you just don't have to explain like you don't have to explain what non-binary means or how to use your pronouns um so like even though we created the space specifically for people to talk about the book there was so much need for people to just talk about other things and share their experiences that were completely unrelated to the book itself and their chapters and that felt both really valuable and really indicative that we have uh, a huge amount of work to do because people aren't getting that support in their workplaces
2: Yeah. I feel like, um, editors do not usually approach books as community building possibilities and you have modeled that in a really awesome way.
1: Um, I will push back slightly on that because I've seen an increasing number of editors, um, usually of queer books, um, or other books that are are centering marginalized communities where all of the authors are from that background. Um, like I am, we, we did not come up with the idea to have an author discord for this. I think I snagged that one from the Grabbing Tea book, which is coming out soon. Also queer, also library juice press. Um, Krista and I have a chapter in it, I think, if I recall correctly. I don't know. Everything runs together. But that sort of community building, that was not our concept. And I'm glad to see it growing in more spaces. And it it's kind of like the breaking the fourth wall thing that you mentioned. Like, I really like seeing that there's more and more spaces where that is happening in a number of different angles.
2: Yeah, totally. It would be awesome to see it, see it go further. And one other um, resource you mentioned, Stephen, that I want to highlight is you noted that um, authors who had access to an institutional repository and hadn't published anonymously put their chapters in their IR and then you've linked from that. Can you just repeat that again where listeners can go to find that? I want folks to connect with open access content as much as possible. Also buy the book, but like whatever.
1: It I mean buy the book, but tell your library to buy the book. Also it's the book is forty five dollars, which is feels low for the like the heft of it it's a very big book but also like a lot of people especially some of the people who most need to read this book don't have 45 dollars to spend on a book um so yeah we wanted and like my whole job is about making things open access so we wanted to do that um i don't have the website in front of me but i think if you search for trans and gender diverse lis network you get that page that tells you about that group but also that's that website is where i have been listing the chapters because that's the concept of that group is so overlapping with the concept of the book.
2: Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Well, before we wrap up, I would love if you could each share a bit about what you're working on next. Uh, I don't know if you have projects on your plates that grow out of this book, other projects that are totally unrelated, other ideas that have been sparking that you're working on now that you finally wrapped up this massive project
1: well before we were recording i mentioned that none of us have any chill whatsoever um so that's the answer to this question uh Keahe and i want to do a we've just sort of started getting the work done on a literature review article on what has already been published in the in lis professional literature about transgender inclusion um like basically just do a literature review article um it's We're gonna make it long because we have a lot of thoughts, but there's not that many articles about this. There's like, once you cut out things like um, blog posts and slide presentations and really focus on like chapters and articles and and books, there's not a whole lot. And as has been mentioned earlier, very, very little of it acknowledges library workers. So we want to do the literature review because at this point, every project I do requires this to exist because I need to be able to cite it. So we're going to make it. And that will help us show like the gaps in like there's some areas that have been really strongly covered, uh, like cataloging has gotten a lot of coverage. Um, Certainly not enough. There's there's plenty more to say about it, but I would say cataloging and metadata is the most has the most published articles in LIS that are about trans authors. Um, And then that leads us to our our next book. (laughs) I say that and I die a little inside. which is going to be kind of the opposite of this book, uh, where that one will be... um not about people's personal experiences I mean probably it will be a little bit but that one is going to be much more um practical guidance professional literature and I think our concept for that one feel free to uh correct me if you have a better summary of this we haven't written the proposal yet um, but we want to, uh basically to do a call for proposals about people to write about what trans inclusion looks like in their particular specialty um so like actual professional guidance from, and not just based on these are my personal experiences and feelings, but about like, I do this in my work, this is like, this is what, uh, gender inclusion at the circulation desk looks like, or in archives, or whatever people's professional specialties are, um we also we we did ask if Crystal wanted to join us in co-editing that book uh they very sensibly are trying not to overcommit I will let you tell them I will let them tell you what that looks like um but we yesterday when we were preparing for this interview uh and I'm dying even more inside even as I say this but we said something to the effect of uh well there's so much more to say and things are changing so quickly and like a bunch of our authors, like, struggled with the fact that, like, by the time this book got published, maybe their gender was different, their pronouns were different, their name, that like, all sorts of things had changed for a lot of people, so we could do a, another version of this book, we could do an edition every couple of years. Ha, ha, ha. that was my horrible what idea, if, I was if like, if volume two, did. volume
0: three, yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, but, but, in my, it, it, it is warranted, I'm so sorry.
3: So, I guess on my front, um, one of the other projects that I'm working on, I actually just had another book come out uh, very recently, uh, Decolonial Archival Futures, uh, written uh, in partnership with Skyly Storm, Hogan Stacey, uh, one of my dearest collaborators and friends, Um, and I'm also working on my PhD. So I'm firmly trying not to overcommit more than I already am at this
0: point. Um, Besides what Stephen mentioned, um, I'm maybe co-writing something with some members of the former diversity residency subgroup of the ACRL um, residency interest group about a resident-centered framework for diversity residency programs. Stephen also maybe convinced me to go back to grad school, which is terribly rude, Um, but I am looking at the Indigenous Studies program at University of Alaska, and it is, (laughs) yeah, but um, that's all I think I have on the horizon.
2: I mean, it sounds like enough. <laughs> um, it sounds like you all have a lot of cool things going on. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. But once again, I've been speaking with Keahi Adolfo, Steven Krueger, and Krista McCracken, editors of Trans and Gender Diverse Voices in Libraries, published by Library Juice Press in July, 2023. My name is Jen Hoyer, and you're listening to New Books Network.